0: Welcome to the CMC podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to be a doer of the word. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Josh Barnett. I'm so pumped about this word tonight. So excited about this parable series that that we're going to be doing, and and I'm I'm so excited about our theme, the Kingdom of God. And as as we get in this, as we get into Mark chapter four, I I want to start with um, that we as human beings we are bad at listening. We are terrible at listening. <laughs> huh? What was that? We are. We're bad. We're not good at listening. I find sometimes that even last night, my wife came in and was sitting on the bed and talking to me after she, got, she was meeting about some of the women's ministry gather conference stuff that's coming up. And, and she began to talk to me. And I was in the middle of looking over my notes for this. And and I was trying to like do both. And it wasn't working, and she was talking, but it wasn't registering everything that she was saying. And I think she she always can tell when my eyes are kind of glazed over and that I'm not, like, super into paying attention. And I always get caught when I have to respond. (laughs) Husbands in the room can probably testify, and wives can probably testify about their husbands. Um, But we're we're bad at listening, and, and, and Jesus knows this about us, and that's why he uses parables. He uses parables to weed out the ones who aren't really listening. And, you know, he came, we've been teaching on this, he came to bring heaven to earth. It, it, following Jesus isn't about going to heaven when you die, following Jesus is about living in the kingdom right now. And so he brings heaven to earth and he used parables to teach people how to live in this kingdom. That's why this Wednesday night study is so, so, so important. Now, Jesus, he, in, in Mark chapter four, he, he goes out onto the water, he has, a, he has a crowd here, he's got people that are coming and listening and, and some things have already been happening a little bit in Jesus' ministry um, there's already been some miracles take place. There's already been some messages preached. There's already been some things that have been done and people are already kind of following him. Um, but he, he, he's not super clear on everything that he says. And so he has a crowd. He actually gets in a boat, goes out onto the water. And so his voice will carry across the water so he can so he has kind of the amphitheater effect. And so he's got he, this, and there's all types of people there, which we're going to see. But <laughs> this would be a great time to kind of clear up, like, who are you? And what are you doing here and so but let's see what he says so all these people were there different motives great opportunity to clear up what he's going to say and verse three he says listen a farmer went out to plant some seed huh (laughs) what what and he starts going into this and it's it's just so it's so strange but i want us to see the purpose of the parables tonight, even as we start off, is that the Lord knows we're not good at listening and he's actually preaching in a way that only those who are hungry will understand. Only those who are really listening will understand. And so let's read this tonight. Let's read, we're going to read chapter three and I'm going to go all the way through it, all the way to verse 20. So follow along with me. It says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed as he scattered it across his field. Some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with others who were gathered around him, they asked him what the parables meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants seeds by taking God's words to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as it had been planted. So let's let's go through this here. And, and if you're taking notes, I've got four important points about this far, this parable tonight that I want you to write down that I want you to know. Number one is you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. This is what he says in verse 11, that you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. You and I have been invited in to hear, to know, to understand, and to live in the kingdom. And so tonight as we start, I want want to build up your faith that you get to receive the secrets of the kingdom. You get to receive the secrets of the kingdom and that, that you have to have faith to receive it. Uh, uh, Luke 12, 32, Jesus says, fear not little flock for it is your father's good gift to give you, it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I want you to know tonight, the father wants to give you the kingdom more than you want to receive it. He wants to give you the kingdom, that's his desire. It, it, if you look in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse seven through 16, it talks about how we have been given the spirit of God and the mind of Christ. Because we have been born again, we are temples of the Holy Spirit and our minds have been renewed. And so we are now permitted to receive the secrets of the kingdom. Now the secrets of the kingdom aren't this like off ethereal, mystical thing that we are searching out. The secrets of the kingdom are spiritual insights into his nature, into his ways, into how the kingdom operates. And Jesus can only be fully understood through the spirit, not through our intellect. He wants to give us the kingdom. And I want everybody to know tonight that you have access to him. When the New Testament talks about the mysteries of the kingdom, it doesn't mean that it's remote or obtruse or hard to understand. It's actually just saying, only those that are born again can receive this. Only those whose spirits have been made alive can hear the voice of the Lord, can understand what he's talking about. When Jesus uses the word mystery, when the New Testament uses the word mystery, don't think about it like a murder mystery. It's not a, it's not a novel. It's not, you're not watching Criminal Minds. What he's talking about mystery is it simply means, the Greek word means hidden from the common gaze. Hidden from the common gaze. So it's not right out in the open because it wasn't, he, he didn't come. He just said it. He didn't come to give it to everybody out in the open. It's only those who are hungry. It's only those who come after him. And I think I quote this a lot, but Proverbs 25 verse two says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of God to seek it out. See, the way that God designed it, the way that he set up this kingdom and this life is he wants us to draw near to him. And then he will draw near to us. There's this coming after him and it's a constant pursuit your entire life. We never stop following him. We never stop following him. And when we follow him, we get rewarded with the kingdom. And it doesn't stop there. We follow him and we get rewarded with the kingdom. We follow him and we get rewarded with the kingdom. And it's the only reward that truly satisfies our hearts like nothing else will. The second thing I want you to write down is that this parable unlocks the rest of them. Verse 13. This parable is what unlocks the rest of them. He said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand the rest of them. So this is the king. This is the the main one that we got to get. This is the most important one because it is the key to unlocking all others. Because in this one, Jesus teaches us how the word of God works. He teaches us how to listen to him. He teaches us how we are to understand the kingdom. Most parables start with the kingdom of God is like. This one, Jesus is showing us the way that we are to think about Meditate on, receive, and apply the parables to our lives so that we can experience the kingdom. Jesus, Jesus's message, his message in the beginning of Mark is, "Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand." He right away was saying, "You've got to change the way that you think, because my kingdom is not of this world, and you're going to have to think about this differently than you think in worldly ways. You can't think about this like like carnal man does." And in verses ten through twelve, he intentionally. It's like he intentionally taught people things so that they wouldn't understand. Or what he was doing was teaching those who weren't really listening to receive, wouldn't understand. So when Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear, that is a command. He's commanding, he who has ears, let him hear. What what he's saying is what you're listening to, don't let it just be sound vibrations going into your eardrum, receive it. Listen to it. And we're bad at listening. So like when Jesus, he starts the parable with listen and he ends it with listen. But when he's saying listen, he's saying listen to receive, listen to apply, listen to obey, listen to walk in. When I ask my kids, why didn't you listen to me? I get that they heard what I said. When I'm saying, why didn't you listen to me? I'm really saying, why didn't you obey me? I told you to pick up your toys four times right okay any parents in the house that can testify I told you you heard it it went in one ear but what happened is it went out the other sound vibrations were picked up but they didn't obey and so when Jesus is saying he who has ears let him hear he's saying don't be hearers of the word only but James would say be doers of the word and if we are not doers of the word, then we didn't actually hear it the way that Jesus intended for us to hear it. Immediately, Jesus' audience would have understood the picture. Clearly, he's talking about farming. He's talking about seed. They would, have, they would have seen the illustration that he was painting, the sower, the seed, the different types of soil, but what they didn't understand was the spiritual truth that he was communicating. And he didn't explain it to them. He left. He, he rolls out. <laughs> He, he, he has ears. Let him hear. See ya. Yeah, but, 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 listen. Isn't it? Isn't it so common? Is like we want preachers nowadays to like so dissect every little thing for us, so that we don't leave confused at all, and we want to know every little thing. And, and yes, I think teaching is fine. And I think that's part of discipleship. But, at, but at the same time, we want to oftentimes blame other people for our lack of obedience. And Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. Man, many times you leave and you are critical of the preacher. In this parable, Jesus is being critical of the audience. I think we should start doing that. I'm, I'm going to start start doing that. Do you know who was sleeping? Do you know who was nodding off? Do you know who was talking, who was on their phone the whole time? I can't believe, man, golly. <laughs> All right, number three. Number three, the sower and the seed are God and his word. The sower and the seed are God and his word. These are important. Number one, you've been permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom. Number two, this parable unlocks the rest. Number three, in this parable, the sower and the seed are God and his word. The sower in the gospels is Jesus. The sower is the one who sows the seed. Jesus sows the word. That is key. And one thing I want to say here. Jesus is the Word. That's what John 1 describes him as. Jesus is the Word. He's everything that God wanted to say about himself. He is the Word made flesh. But what our culture likes to do now is they want to separate the Word from his words. But you cannot separate the Word from his words. We have to look and see through the studies of the parables, the Sermon on the Mount, everything that Jesus said, we have to understand that Jesus is... The things that he's speaking, even the hard things that he's speaking, are the word of God. That is the key. Now, we, disciples, followers of Jesus, we now also are inspired by the Holy Spirit to share his word with all of creation. We now also can be sowers. We also can be ones that throw out the seed. And, And yes, God still speaks to us through, like, he's still sowing seed. And like even tonight, and even as we're doing these parables, Tim said it last week, these parables are seed that we are, that we are throwing out, okay? Now God's, God still speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, through creation, through pastors, through shepherds, through prophets, through his word. The seed is the word of God. And I want to encourage you, you, uh, I think back in November, I went and listened to it again today because it's only like 30 minutes long. Tim preached a message called the seed, that the seed is essential. And he clearly dissected and showed us how the seed is the word of God. And I would encourage you to go home and listen to that tonight. Listen to that tomorrow, and it will actually even help unpack this a little bit more by what we mean when we say the seed or the word of God. Now, God still speaks to us, okay? Number one, he speaks to us this way. He, and listen, God can still speak to us through creation, through a pastor, through a prophet. In our prayer time, God can, you know, not always audibly. He only even audibly talked to Jesus two times, and that was his own son. But God, uh, but, but, God. <laughs> but, but God he, oftentimes the Holy Spirit will make a strong impression on your heart and that God is speaking to you, he's saying things to you. But I want you to understand, this is the plumb line. The voice will never contradict the word. And if the voice contradicts the word, it's not from God. Okay, so we've got to be really clear. The voice will never contradict the words. Now, 1 Thessalonians, uh, chapters 1 and 2, actually show us that the word of God carries the energy, carries the life of God in it, that it comes to us in power. And actually, Paul says, the word of God came to you. He's, He's commending them. The word of God came to you in power. It transformed you. And then he said, and now the word is ringing out of you. That's the word, the, the, the language he uses. Now, because the word, the seed went into good soil, it transformed your life. Now it's ringing out of you. So, so I want to say this too. As we sow seed on Wednesday nights, as we sow seed on Sunday morning, is it taking root in your life? And now it's ringing out of you. It's transformed your life. And now you're just, you living and the way you're going about life and what you say and how you treat your family and how you treat your business is the word of God, the power of God ringing out of you now. That is what, that's what the seed does. And the seed, the word of God continues to work in us. When God speaks to us, it comes in seed form and it carries the life of God that brings about the fruit. We cannot produce fruit apart from God's power. Soil is just soil. Nothing is going to grow out of soil unless a seed is planted in it. It's the seed that has the power. It's the seed that is the word of God. The the soil is nothing but the environment that the seed goes into. It's the seed that has the power. Now, a word may seem small. It may seem insignificant. It may seem not very powerful, but if you plant it in good soil with the right environment, with the right amount of water, that little seed will turn into a massive tree that produces millions of seeds over its lifetime. Hedy Lou received a word from the Lord a seed was planted on the inside of our heart, and now we are all fruit. And now we are producing seeds. Do you see that? Like, that's so cool. You just think about how many millions of people that Hetty has impacted, and for future generations that she's going to impact. Woo, that's awesome. But it started in seed form. That's why, that's why the Bible says, don't despise small beginnings. Because it's a seed, and you never know what's going to grow into uh, uh, my wife my wife loves, uh, you ever uh, driven, um, I think, I'm, I'm thinking like down Lake Village, down, uh, uh, I think maybe Pine Bluff area, there's this area where there are these huge oak trees. I mean, massive oak trees, and there's just row after row after row after row, and they're just in straight lines, and they're beautiful, and it's awesome, and it's, it's gorgeous. Those trees are probably 80 to 100 years old. Whoever planted those trees is probably no longer alive. And those trees started out as a little seed that went into the ground. And now what it has grown up into. Give your seed time. Give give your seed time. It is very, very, very powerful. Things start in seed form, but you give them time, you give them the right environment, and you watch them grow, and you watch them grow, and you watch them grow. Listen, parents, things that were sown into your heart that you're going to watch them grow into your children. Like, seed is seed is, uh, is is multi-generational. And so there are things that God has put on the inside of you that is supposed to bear fruit in your children. Come on. <laughs> and actually, you'll be hard-pressed to find a dream that God gives a man in Scripture that doesn't involve the next generation. <laughs> now... You know, the, the, word, the Word has several roles. In Hebrews, the end of Hebrews 5, it talks about how there's the milk of the Word that comforts and encourages, but there's also the meat of the Word, the Word of righteousness that provokes and brings about change. There's a transformational Word of God. It, it, Jeremiah 23, 29 says, the Word is like fire. It's like a hammer that breaks the rock. Uh, Romans one sixteen says that the Word is the power of God into salvation. And so there's, there's so much powerful things about the Word, but I want you to know, sower and the seed in this parable... Is God and His Word number four? Number four, the soil is the heart of man, and this is where Jesus starts critiquing those that He's preaching to. <laughs> so that the, the issue is not how well He preaches, but how well they listen. God bless you. <laughs> the issue is not how well they pre how well someone preaches; is wh- the issue is how well people. Listen, the soil is the heart of man and the soil is the only thing that changes. The soil is the only thing that changes. The sower and the seed do not change. God and His Word do not change. They are the same yesterday, today, and forever. The only thing that changes, the only variable is the soil. And the soil is the condition of the heart of man. It's the response of the listener. And the condition of our heart determines how deep we receive the truth. It determines our receptivity of the truth. And if we repeatedly hear God's word and we refuse to respond time and time again, our hearts will grow harder and harder and harder and harder. Now in this, that the soil is the heart of man, he, he, he goes through four types of soil. The first type of soil that Jesus describes, the first type of heart that he describes is a hard heart. A hard heart. It's the footpath where the seed falls on. It's a footpath, and it says that it's hard from the tramplings of men. And there are things, listen, there are things that the devil is going to use to try to give you a hard heart. The devil is going to use the tramplings of men to try to make your heart hard. He's going to try to wound you, hurt you, abuse you, offend you to make your heart hard. Footpa- listen, footpaths wear out in the woods or in a field or wherever. Footpaths wear out because that's where the, someone walks over and over and over and over again. Familiarity makes our hearts hard. Familiarity makes our hearts hard. So to, to come in into a service, and, and your thought is, I know that. I know that's, a, that's the sign of a hard heart. Now, I've heard the parable of the sower before. I've heard the parable of the soils before. Why do I need to hear that again? That's that's the question you need to be asking with a right heart. God, why do I need to hear this again? But to come in with, oh, I know that. See, it's so dangerous when we lose our wonder and our awe over the simple truth of the gospel. When we lose that wonder and our awe over the simple truth of the gospel, we begin to looking for things that will tickle our ears. We'll fall prey to high-sounding nonsense because it's something new. And we lose our ability to hear the, hear the Lord. <laughs> Martin Luther said, I need to hear the gospel every day because I forget it every day. Don't grow familiar with these things. Also on the path, birds come and steal and eat it right away. It, and this is Jesus saying, the word goes in one ear and out the other. People, they leave church, they leave their devotion time, they leave a conversation with the Lord only to be immediately taken captive by something else. The seed cannot take any root at all because it can't even go into the soil. Satan comes, Jesus says, to steal it at once. Now, there's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the sower. The problem is the human heart. The evil one does not mind people merely hearing what he is afraid of is they're believing because he knows that if they believe, if they believe that it will completely transform their life and they'll actually be become a threat to him <laughs> But birds, Ephesians would call them flaming arrows. These are thoughts that come in and still the life-giving words of the kingdom. So thoughts like, God doesn't really mean that. He doesn't care that much about your sin. He'll still forgive me. You don't have to go all in. You know, Josh is a, Josh is a little too zealous. No, you, know, you tone it down a few notches. But have thought you know thoughts like this is this is too black and white. Well, God will, God will still love me if I. Well, Josh is is young. He doesn't he doesn't know, or or Tim's old, real old. You know <laughs> he he doesn't he doesn't know. <laughs> but the, these are thoughts that we have. Josh the, the, the older crowd will think Josh is young. What does he know? How can, who is he to speak to me? And the younger crowd will think Tim's old. He doesn't get our generation. He doesn't get our culture. He doesn't get what I'm going through. Hard heart. Birds coming, eating the seed. (laughs) To think, I already know this. I've heard this before. Why am I here? I got better things to do. Well, Josh, Tim, and Paul, like, they're hypocrites. They don't really live out what they say. Birds coming and stealing the seed that God is trying to put. Thoughts, flaming arrows that have penetrated your mind, robbing the word in your quiet time. man, Man, nobody needs you until... Your phone, you don't get no text, no phone calls, no nothing until you say, I'm going to spend time with Jesus. (laughs) The enemy is terrified of you spending time with him. And so he's going to try to send every distraction. And then you'll also, you'll begin to think about every, I, I got nothing to do until I need to spend time with Jesus. And then when I spend time with him, it's like, oh, I need to fix that. And I need to handle that. And I need to talk to that person. I need to do whatever. Be careful. The enemy is sending birds to try to steal the words that God is speaking to you. And Jesus isn't just using a figure of speech. When he mentions the devil, he means the devil. This is spiritual warfare. This is spiritual. There's a real spiritual battle raging for the souls of men and women. Hard hearts lose the word immediately. The second heart is a shallow heart. Shallow heart. This is a a summer camp heart receive it with joy receive it with joy but they quickly quickly wither because there's no roots there's there's no depth the soil is soft on top but there's rocks in it there's rocks underneath it but Jesus says that when problems and persecution come along they steal the word regret resentment unforgiveness are all issues of the heart that never get dealt with the roots can't penetrate the rock So things start to grow because there's a thin layer of soil, but the roots can't grow deep. And so when the sun rises, when problems, when trials come, it withers and dies. This type of heart represents the person who impulsively welcomes the gospel without counting the cost. Perhaps he heard that following Jesus would magically solve all of his problems and that Jesus offers abundant life. So he emotionally responds. So at first he seems zealous for the Lord. He makes rapid progress in his faith, but then let trial hit. Because because his Christian experience was based on emotion and not on truth, he has no deep roots in the word. Now, I'm not against against emotion. I'm not against emotion, but I went to those services as a young person where it was like emotional manipulation (laughs) just so that we could fill up the altar. But then when we left, there was no discipleship. And so you let trial come, and you see people quickly fall away. And it may not be that they lost their salvation. It might be that they never were really saved. And I, th- I know that's hard to hear, but Jesus said it. He, he's the one that said it. You know, when we share the gospel, we, we, we've we got to be careful that we don't paint too rosy of a picture. Now, it is the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. Like, I... like. It, <laughs> It's, this is hard for, for, you know, for me, a preacher. is like, like, I want people to get him so bad because I know how amazing and how incredible he is and how awesome the kingdom is. Like, I know that. But there's this, the, like, it's, it's easy to slip and like paint so much of a rosy picture and not tell people, like, it's going to cost you everything. Like, your salvation is a gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. But he does say, take up your cross and follow after me. You are going to have to lay these things down. The Holy Spirit is going to come and convict you of these things. And and he's saying, like, people who get this word and then persecution comes, like, the world is going to hate you if you follow him. But he says, take heart, because it hated me first. There's going to be family and friends and people and co work You're going to lose business because you associate with this man. What kind of soil are you? What kind of soil are you? A shallow heart loses the word eventually, trials and persecutions steal it. Just because Satan couldn't keep you from responding joyfully to the world the, joyfully to the word doesn't mean that he's not still after it. He'll make you believe that the word of God is not worth the trouble that it brings. Number four. Number three, sorry. Number three, a divided heart. Number one, a hard heart. Number two, a shallow heart. Number three is a divided heart. This is the seed that fell among the thorns. They take root, but the roots don't have an undisputed hold, hold because when the roots grow down, the roots go down and the, the roots from the thorns are also there. And it says that it chokes the roots out. And what, what are the roots? What are the thorns? Well, he says it's the worries of life. It's the cares of this world. It's the lure of wealth. It's the desire for other things. And so the roots go in; they begin to grow. People begin to grow. Like good things begin happening, and then, and then, fruit's taken too long. I'm going to take my life into my own hands because I don't trust it with God, or we don't know how to rest in God's promises. We don't understand that that bearing fruit sometimes takes time. It takes time to bear fruit, and then oftentimes when we bear fruit, the the Father in His goodness comes and prunes it. Because God is actually more concerned with your roots than he is your fruit. Because without the roots, you don't have fruit. You, our focus is never fruit. Our focus is our roots. If our focus is our roots, fruit will be a byproduct. If our focus is our fruit, then we can never have enough fruit. And when he comes and when he cuts on us, or, we'll, or if you don't have enough, a good enough root system, you grow up and that fruit that you begin to bear, you don't have the character in, in, in order to hold it up. And you're going to splinter and you're going to break and you're going to fall apart. The roots roots are important. Focus on your roots. But you can't let these other things come. And and when he says cares of this world, the word that it uses is divided. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. He's all or nothing. He's all or nothing. The lure of wealth, the pursuit of wealth, pleasure, entertainment. They don't allow God's root to take place because they can't let go of things. They pursue instant gratification. They may delay it for a season, but eventually give in to their fleshly desires. And and, and the lure of le- and, and riches aren't wrong. He says it's the deceitfulness of riches. It's the lure of the wealth. It's not the wealth that's wrong. It's the lure of it. Well, how much is too much? Whatever causes you not to trust the word of the Lord anymore. Could be 10,000. Could be 10 million. What causes you not to trust? What causes you to begin to trust in your bank account and rather instead of in Him? I want Christians to be wealthy. I want you all to be wealthy. Sometimes it's the goodness of God that we're not because we would mishandle it. Bless you with that. Uh, the thing about poverty and the thing about wealth is uh, they reveal your heart. They reveal your heart. They reveal your character. I believe that God wants you to be blessed, but I also know that blessings can become idols. And sometimes He loves us too much, and and and, and we just got to come to the fact is like some He gives thirty, some He gives sixty, and some He gives a hundred, and we got to we got to be okay with whatever He gives us. And if you and, and if you're playing the comparison game, it's because you've fallen for the deceitfulness of wealth. It's not about keeping up with the Joneses. The car that you drive, the house that you live in, the clothes that you wear is not a reflection of your value. It's not a reflection of your value. Okay, that's good. You need to let that sink in. You need to know that. And then he says the the desire for other things, restlessness. Uh, Oftentimes it's like you can't stay put. You can't grow roots if you don't stay put. (laughs) So we switched... Churches and schools and jobs and marriages shifting from one thing to the next. You never stay long enough for roots to grow. If you don't stay long enough for the roots to grow, you'll never bear fruit. And did you know that like so, an oak tree grows from an acorn. But did you know that a, that an oak tree doesn't start producing acorns until it's between 20 and 30 years old? Wow. And do you know that it's not the, and, and and more than any humans get compared to trees more than any other thing in Scripture. You know the tree that, that believers are compared to more than any other tree? oaks. Isaiah 61 says that you will be an oak of righteousness. Peak production of acorns doesn't happen, happen until the tree is between 50 and 80 years old. Wow, that's wild. Do you also know that it's during that time that it, you're like, yeah all right, but it's it's true. It's true if a tr- if it'll stay put and it gets in its good soil and it's plenty of nutrients between 50 and 80 years old so like so like all of all of my guys like under like 35 and under like chill give it time let your roots grow deep the fruit will come you don't have to worry about it <laughs> okay so <laughs> it's also during that time of between 50 and 80 that they are no longer dependent on rain their roots grow deep enough that they can draw water deep enough from the soil come on Let's go. (laughs) Here we've got to know with a divided heart, the kingdom doesn't share loyalties. There is no competition. He doesn't share his throne. Desire for other things. Seek first the kingdom and all of these things will be added unto you. Desire for other things robs you of the kingdom. Desire for other things actually chokes out what God wants to do in your life. A divided heart loses the word eventually because of prosperity. A shallow heart loses it because of persecution and trials. A divided heart loses the word because of prosperity. If persecution and trial don't work, the enemy will try to use good things, the good things of life, to rob the word from us. Again, money isn't evil. Things aren't evil, but they can easily become an idol. We only have one option, and it is Jesus. Don't give yourself to any other options. Number four. Last one, the good soil is an open heart. The good soil is an open heart where the seed can get in, it can get down, and it has room. This is those who hear and accept producing a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times what was planted. And if you want to reap more, you need to sow more. These are the ones who hear the message, you take it, you don't just merely think about it, but you actually go and do it. You actually go and apply it to your life. The ones who are good soil are the ones who will see fruit in their life. This parable shows us that when the word is received as it should be, something happens, fruit is produced. If nothing happens, then the word is not being received as it should. Now there are four kinds of soil, but there are really only two types. Those that bear fruit and those that don't. We've got to see that faith isn't just a response to a moment, but there's a permanent thing to it. It's something that we live out forever. The, the common factor of the first three soils is that none of them bear fruit. Some look promising, but there's no fruit. We've got to examine ourselves, am I bearing fruit for God over the long haul? Is my faith superficial Is it or is it genuine? This is the true gospel. This is the best news ever, but it is divisive. It is divisive. Jesus is looking for those who are all in, not those who are half-hearted. Jesus preached in a way to make it completely clear that you're all in or you're all out. That you're either in Him or you're not. And he, He preached in a way that He knew people wouldn't understand. In a way that He knew would cause people to leave. Because He only does all in. Now, some would say about me and Tim for sure that... Our messages or our sermons are too pointed, (laughs) too sharp, too hard. That I preach in a way that would make you question your salvation. Now, I believe in assurance. I believe that we can know that we are saved. But the way that Jesus preaches shows us that there are many who think they're saved that actually aren't. He He says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. So we must preach in a way that leaves no room for lukewarmness. You're either hot or you're cold. You're either all in or you're out. And so my, you know, my my. as we start this kingdom series, this parable series, what I want to say tonight is don't assume you're good soil. Don't assume that you're good soil. And know that, that you can change your soil type. Hosea 10, 12 says that the hard ground can be plowed up. The hard, the hard ground can be plowed up. The sower sows before the ploughing takes place. We can plow our hearts. You can ask the Holy Spirit to break up the fallow ground of your heart. You can sow more of God's word into your life. You can read your Bible more, you and see it as planting seed. Pray more, pray rightly, listen to God's voice. You will Galatians is you will reap what you sow. God will not be mocked. But you will only reap what is sown in good soil. You will only reap what is sown in an open heart. Proverbs 11.18 11, 11, 18 says that we are to sow righteousness. Let's learn tonight that by preaching, seed is sown. And you can study the seed, you can categorize the seed, you can analyze the seed, you can know the seed, you can love the seed. But if you don't sow it, it won't grow. If you don't sow it, it won't grow. What are you sowing in your home? I want peace. I love peace. Are you sowing peace? Are you sowing things in your heart that cause peace to come out of you? Are you reading this word? Well, do you need peace? See what God has to say about peace. Do you need help loving your neighbor as yourself? I do. I don't need to love. <laughs> I need to read this. I need to sow this into my heart. I need to put this in there. In Mark 4, the parable of the sower and the soils teaches us the importance of how we respond to the word of God. It tells us that the success or the failure of a crop isn't necessarily in the skill of the farmer or in the power of the seed, but in the quality of the soil. And I would say that in most churches, in most conferences, you you know, I'm I'm thinking about uh, Tim and Terry are doing a marriage seminar here in a couple months. And there will be people that go to that marriage conference and it will completely change their marriage. There'll be people who go to that marriage conference who have a great marriage and it will take their marriage to the next level. There'll be people who are there who are on the brink of divorce who will leave on the brink of divorce because it's all about the condition of the heart. It's all about the condition of the soil. And you can come in and you can get plugged in and you can sit through all these parable uh, uh, teachings and the Sermon on the Mount teachings and the Sunday morning teachings about the kingdom of God and you can completely miss the kingdom this year because it can go one ear and out the other. And so my encouragement tonight, as we start this series, as we start this year, the kingdom of God, he who has ears, let him hear. Y'all stand with me. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that is seed that produces so much life and peace and love and rest and all your attributes, God, the seed the seeds of love that you've sowed in our heart that have completely transformed us and and completely shaped us and completely made us new people. Lord, we're so grateful that you've brought us back to life, that you've made us new people, that you've made us new creations. Lord, right now, I just ask that you would break up the fallow ground in our hearts. If there's any hard parts, if there's any parts that are shallow, Lord, make us deep people this year. Make us soft people this year. We want to have open, soft hearts ready to receive your word so that we can learn how to live in your kingdom. The kingdom that you said is at hand. The kingdom that you said is near. The kingdom that you brought to us, Jesus. We love you, Lord. I ask that you would keep everyone safe as they go home in this nasty weather tonight. I ask that you would keep people safe as they're traveling, as they're doing over the next day with all this uh, nastiness coming in. Lord, I ask that you would just be with our people, that you protect our church members, and Lord, that that the seed would come in our life, it would transform us, and then we would become sowers. And it would, like, like you said, the church in Thessalonica, that it would ring out from us. Here we are, Lord, use us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday. Thank you for listening to the CMC Podcast. If you'd like to watch our sermons live or looking for more information about our church, visit cmcchurch.com or follow us on Facebook at Christian Ministries Church.